Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. Happy Easter. How you guys are doing? Fantastic. How many of you guys hung out with us yesterday at the Easter egg hunt? Let me hear you. Let me tell you what I can tell you. That this is the truth, that our Easter bag baskets are full, but the tomb is empty. Does anybody agree? Come on now. I've been waiting on that line for a while. No, really, my name's Chris, and it's such an honor to have you guys here at OneChurch.tv on this very, very special Sunday. We are in the middle uh, of a series entitled How to Be a Hero. And if this is your first time, like, ever at church, or maybe you're coming back at, uh, back to church, you could not have picked a better time because it is Easter. And really, this is the essence of Christianity. And we're going to discuss a lot about this today, of what makes uh, Christianity in this religion different than all others. Uh, we're in the middle of this series, How to Be a Hero, and uh, one of the things we've been talking about in this series is just simply this, that heroes um, are, these, are these groups of people that step up during times of adversity and drama. And, uh, you know, we're in a movie theater, we meet in a movie theater, and people spend literally hundreds of dollars to go and see movies about drama. We all are attracted to drama, we love reading books about drama, but if you listen, if you went to the average prayer meeting, if you went to the average church, and if even if you're not a Christian, here's what I know about all of us, none of us like drama in our own lives, Right? I mean, none of us like that. Uh, we, we're attracted to drama in maybe other people's lives. That's the reason why you watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta or The Real Housewives of Orange County or whatever it is, whatever reality TV show, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, any of that stuff. Uh, we're attracted to drama in other people's lives, but when it comes to our own life, none of us like it. We just don't. Um, but one of the things we're learning in this series is that maybe God is in the drama. And the reason why we're so attracted to the life of a hero and the story of the hero is there's this adversity that happens in, 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 in this plot twist. And what happens is the hero steps up and saves the day and rescues what was almost dead. What was almost dead. And the reason why this resonates so deeply with all of us is simply that story like that gives our lives meaning. That the reason stories like that gives our lives meaning is because there was this man named Jesus who died for us. In fact, there was many, many of you hung out with us on Good Friday at our, at our worship services there. We had such a, a wonderful time. It is, I tell you, Jesus died on the cross for us. And today we're going to talk about the rest of the story is what Pastor Carlos said. So we're going to see that what happened on Easter Sunday gives our lives meaning. The story of Easter resonates so deeply with all of us because here's what's at stake. What's at stake is simply this, that dead things get resurrected. Dead things get resurrected. Do you know Jesus came not only to resurrect himself and those of us, but he came so that he can resurrect some dead things in your life. And, you know, the law, the second law of thermodynamics simply says that things die and that things are always naturally disintegrating. And that's probably happening in your life. So let me begin today by asking you a question. What's dead in your life? Some of you showed up this morning and you all look so pretty. You all look, you're, you're so dressed up, but you walked in here, and I'm sure there were many of us, there are some things dying or dead in your life. Some of you, you walked in here and you said, you know what, my marriage is on life support. 
my marriage is almost gone. It's not in a good place. It's dead. Others of you would say that you have a relationship, a friendship that went south, and it's dead. Maybe your finances are just flatlining. Some of, the, some of you had walked in and you said, my work life, I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week. It just continues to decline. Others, maybe your health is failing. Some, I'm sure all of us, we've experienced the death of a dream. Something that you felt like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to start this, and I'm going to start this relationship. I'm going to start this business. And it didn't work out, and you failed, and now you wear the badge of failure. Maybe some of you feel like that there's something inside of you that's dead, that you used to experience joy. You used to experience hope. You used to experience happiness. But there's something inside of you that's just numb. It's dead. I think we all have moments like this where things die, dreams die, relationships die. But the message of Easter is that even though you may feel that it's dead, it does not have to stay dead. That Jesus can bring dead things to life. So what is dead in your life? Some of you, are, you're in this place where you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm very successful, and something's no, not working in my life. You're just kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Pastor Carlo talked about that last Sunday. And you've had few times in your life, I know I've had, where it's just been difficult. In fact, one church was birthed out of a very similar situation, uh, just a, a, a place of death and hard times and difficulty. I've never shared this story, but I'm going to share it with you today. Kim and I, we had moved, well, I'm from Clarksville, but we had moved back to Clarksville because my home church had contacted us about starting a church in Exit 1 for people who were far away from God, for people who did not go to church. 88% of people in Clarksville don't go to church anywhere. So we want to start a new church. Great. So we moved back. I moved into my parents' basement. I mean, uh, if some of you, you got older kids, and as soon as they left, you changed the locks, didn't you? My parents forgot that. So uh, we came back, we moved into the basement, and we just started working on this new church plant. Didn't have a name, didn't really have a, but we, I mean, we didn't have any people. It was just me, my wife, and my two kids. And, um, and I remember going and talking to the church that says, okay, we're going to sponsor you, we're going to uh, help uh, pay your salary, and then because they sponsored us, that actually opened up other avenues so that we could be able to get more finances, so that we could be able to start in this movie theater. So we had a start date, we had all this stuff, and then the church that said, hey, we want you to come do this, we're like, I don't, we don't know if it's going to happen or not. And it was like, what? I mean, we've already moved into my parents' basement. In fact, at the time, my wife, she got pregnant in my parents' basement. I mean, what a scandal, right? Just saying. Just saying. So, you know, now we got two and one in the cooker, and we're like, okay, so my wife, she's uh, going to give birth, and I'm trying to give birth to this church, and we're like, I don't know if it's going to happen, because the church was just like, you know what, we got to do this, and we got to do that, and it has to go through committee, and then the, the deacons have to approve it, and then we got to bring it to the entire church, and then we got to vote on it and triplicate, and it's just like, what? And it just got to this point where we're like, I don't know if this is going to happen. I, this, this dream may be on life support. In fact, it may even be flatlining. You know, it's in times like that that all of us, we've experienced this crisis 
we've experienced this adversity. And it, and it felt like in that moment, an entire part of my life just died because my wife and I, we had this dream for years of starting a diverse church, an ethnically diverse church here in Clarksville. Because when I grew up to church, it was only, you had the African American church, and then you had the white church, and then you had the Korean church, and you had the Chinese church, and nobody ever got together. And I believe that uh, what Tony Evans believed, the most segregated hour in America is, is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. But it should not be that way because when we get to heaven, it's not going to be like that. And I says, I want to start a church that's different. I want to start a church where all of us are equal and all of us we can come and we can actually understand God's word without assuming that people have biblical knowledge. And, but we're in this time where I just don't know if it's going to happen. Let me tell you, if you're like that, if you're in a situation that right, you just feel like something's dead in your life, well, welcome to Easter. You're here. You could not be here at a better time, at a better place, and a better moment, because here's what I know. The best antidote for anything that's dead is resurrection. That's the best antidote. You see, when a, a dead body is dead, you don't give it penicillin. It's not going to help right? The only antidote for anything that's dead is resurrection. We have a God who specializes in reviving dead things. We have a God who specializes in reviving people who have given up on themselves. In fact, do you know that Jesus, this hero that we're celebrating today, Jesus refuses to give up on people who have given up on themselves? That's our big idea today, that Jesus refuses to give up on people who've given up on themselves. And some of you, you walked in this morning, and you had given up. Jesus refuses to give up on you even when you say, I'm done. Even when you say, the marriage is done, the finances are done, the relationships are done, I am done. Jesus says, no, you are not done. We are just getting started. And we're going to meet somebody today who had given up on himself. And his name is Peter. And Peter was one of Jesus' followers, Jesus' friends. And on that Thursday night before Jesus gets crucified, they're having this last supper, this communion. And Jesus and Peter and the other uh, disciples are there, and Jesus says, one of you are going to betray me. And they're all like whispering, who's, who's, who's going to be? And Peter says, I will never betray you. And Jesus says, oh, Peter... Before the rooster crows in the morning, you are going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times. And then Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's arrested, and all of his disciples scatter. And Peter's like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And, he, and they take Jesus to this outer courtyard, and they're questioning him. And Peter is warming himself by the fire. And you have this, the crowd of people kind of, what's going on? It's about 1 o'clock in the morning. And this group of ragtag people are out there, not Jesus followers. And they look at Peter and say, hey, you look familiar. You're one of Jesus' followers, aren't you? And Peter says, nope, you're mistaken. And then another person came up to Peter and said, Peter, I think I know your name's Pete, right? And you're one of Jesus' followers. Nope. You, you, you are absolutely wrong. Uh, I got some people that kind of look like me, but no, that you, no, amen. And then a, a little girl came up and says, yeah, you're Galilean. You even are from the same town that he's from. You must know Jesus. 
And Jesus says, I blankety blank and drop some four-letter words, don't know him. And that's when everybody said, yep, he don't know him. One of Jesus' followers wouldn't talk like that. And then, at that moment, a rooster crowed in the distance. And Peter's eyes looked at Jesus, who was in the courtyard. And Peter started to weep bitterly. And he runs away. And just eight hours later, Jesus is hanging on the cross at 9 o'clock on Friday morning. And there, over the next six hours on that Friday, as he's hanging on the cross, some horrific things happen to Jesus. Eventually he dies, and Jesus' followers scatter because the dream is dead. The Messiah is dead. The one who called himself God's Son is dead. And they scatter, and they, as some other followers that really weren't part of the inner 12, they actually took Jesus' body off the cross, put him in the tomb, and none of his disciples, did you know none of his disciples were there on Sunday morning waiting for the sun to come up? Did you know that? They weren't like by the tomb going 10, 9, 8, he's coming, 7, he's going, to get 6, you ready, get ready. Nobody was like, did you know that? Because nobody knew, nobody believed that Jesus was going to raise from the dead. And his disciples weren't there, his mom wasn't there, and eventually, of course, the tomb, that the stone rolls away, and Jesus bursts forth in sunlight. And then the, Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus and Mary Magdalene show up at the tomb, and he's, he's risen. He's risen indeed. But today, we're going to talk about this whole idea of what happens when your dreams die. Because that's exactly where Peter was at. Peter said, I'll never deny you. And he did. And Jesus is dead. In John chapter 21, this is what God's word says. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is, what does it say? How it happened. So, uh, John is going to tell this story because John was there. John was one of the brothers of, uh, the sons of Zebedee we're going to see. And it says this in verse 2. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, who we were just talking about. Thomas, nicknamed who? The twin. Now, evidently, Thomas, he had a, like a twin brother. But we have another nickname for Thomas, don't we? Anybody know it? The doubter. Thomas the doubter. Because Thomas was like, listen, I ain't going to believe that Jesus ever rose again unless I can take my finger and put it through the nail hole. Like, when, I mean, how, how heretical is that? I mean, I want to, right? I, I want to put my hand in the side where the spear went in. I mean, he, he doubts. No one believed. And some of you, you're here today and you don't believe. And I'm going to say, that's okay. His own disciples didn't believe. So this is a good place to ask questions. This is a good place to have a conversation. In fact, our phone number is on the screen, and you can be able to text in questions so that this is just not just a one-way conversation. And you can do that now because we value your questions. It's an okay place to ask questions in the doubt. So Jesus' followers, they're there. And Simon Peter, his Thomas, and it goes on, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. John is writing this gospel. And then two other disciples. So you have seven out of the 11 disciples because Judas, he's already hung himself. 
So they all are like, let's go fishing. Now, some of you, you're fishermen, all right? And you go fishing because it's a nice day and you're like, hey, I want to go fishing. Why did they go fishing? And here's the reason why. It's not because they didn't have anything else to do. It's because that's what they did before they ever met Jesus. You see, before they met Jesus, they were professional fishermen, right? What's that, uh, uh, the, the deadliest catch, right? So they were a part of that crew. So and not a little bit less ice, right? So they're on the Sea of Galilee, and before they met Jesus, that's what they did for a living. And now that Jesus is dead, the dream is dead, their friends are dead, and Peter says, I'm never, but he did. He's just like, I ain't, there's nothing else I can do except to go back to how I made a living before. To go back to the factory. To go back to the office. I'm going to do what I used to do before because it is over. I said I would never, ever give up on him. But I gave up on him. I denied him. I swore at him, and he died. And I've given up on myself. Simon Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. I'm just going to go back to the only thing I know how to do and what to do. So, next part, verse 3. Well, we'll come too, the other disciple said, because what else are you going to do, right? right? They had jobs. They thought they had jobs as a, as a preacher, but it all fell apart. Let's go back to fishing. So they all went out to the boat, but they caught what? Nothing. They caught nothing all night. So they, they even stunk as preachers and fishermen, right? They can't even catch fish. They caught absolutely nothing all night. Just nothing. It's like, great, we can't even fish. We're going to go bankrupt. We're going to go hungry. Look at verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. It's like there's some guy on the beach. We see the silhouette, uh, but we really can't under, you can't really make him out from here. Uh, and he calls out, fellas, hey guys, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. We haven't caught anything. Then they said, well, throw your net out on the right-hand side of the boat, and then you'll get some. It's like, okay, TV timeout, right? Jesus, you're a carpenter. And carpenters know how much about fishing? Nothing. Zero, right? I mean, what in the world? And, 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 and he says, okay, throwing your net on the other side of the boat. Fish swim, right? Like if the fish is over here on this side of the boat, guess what the fish can do? Swim on, underneath the boat. You see, his, his command didn't make any sense. And some of you are here, and you know God is telling you to do something. He's calling you to take a step, and it doesn't make any sense to you whatsoever. Some of you, you're here, and you're not a church person. And you're like, I don't even go to church. I don't even like church. I got bumped out of a church. I have, I have some bad experiences with church. So do I. And all of us in here, so do we. And it just doesn't make any sense. But here's what I can promise you. When God tells you to do something, even when it does make sense... Something is getting ready to happen. Something is getting ready to happen in these disciples' lives and in your life that you could never, ever imagine. But you've got to be obedient. It says this, but they did. They just obeyed. It doesn't make any sense. It says this, so they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, by the way, that's John, said to Peter, oh my gosh, it's the Lord. I know who it is. I get it. It's the Lord Je Jesus. Jesus is back. 
Now, I know for some of us, this is kind of a supernatural story. But the reality for all of us is when it comes to Easter... When it comes to Jesus, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, whether you're just here because somebody bribed you with Easter eggs and food, here's the idea. That most of us, when it comes to Jesus, have no idea who we're dealing with. Do you know that? Most of us, when it comes to Jesus, we have no idea who we're dealing with. We just have no idea because we think he's a great moral teacher. He's a historic figure, but we really don't know who he is. For some of us, we just live in this natural world, and if we can't see it, we can't believe it. There are some of you who are here today that you would call yourselves a Christian. You would call yourselves a church person. And you said, okay, I, I, I'm going to do my stuff, but I'm going to make Jesus a part of my life. But we really don't know who we're dealing with. Because if we knew who Jesus really was, we wouldn't make him a part of our lives. We would make him our entire lives because they didn't know who they were dealing with. It's the reason they weren't expecting a dead man to come back to life. Because he's not just a man. He is 100% God and he is 100% man. And here's the thing, you can kill the man, but God, he ain't dead. So he comes back to life. The disciples are trying to figure out, who is this guy? Some of you, you're here today and you're trying to figure out, why is this, what's the whole point of Easter? It's about a bunny and it's about eggs and it's about chocolate and about some, those Reese's. Those things are amazing, by the way. I'm just going to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Anyway, so, but I mean, really, what is, what is Easter about? Well, look at this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. He was down into his skivvies. He stripped for work, he jumped into the water, and was headed for shore. He's just like, if this is Jesus, I'm gone. Holla! So, I am out of here. So, I can't even catch fish anymore. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to where Jesus is at. So, the others stayed in the boat and pulled in the loaded net to the shore, for they, for they, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. And when they got there, look at this, they found breakfast waiting for them. Jesus had cooked them breakfast. Fish. I don't know about eating fish for breakfast. But, mm. So Captain D's for breakfast, cooking over a charcoal flyer and some bread. Isn't that awesome? Right? Jesus had cooked them breakfast. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. By the way, how, why did they just catch it? Because they obeyed Jesus. See, some of you, you're just this close away from having a breakthrough in your life, but you're going to have to obey Jesus. You're going to have to do what he says, even if it doesn't make sense. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore, and look at this. They were 153, what? Large fish. You could tell they were going to be preachers because they were already counting, right? And, they, and the net yet hadn't torn. Then Jesus, look at this. The Jesus, the Savior of the world, the God who came back to the dead, Jesus served them bread and fish. You know, there's a God who loves you, who serves you. There's a God who says, I just love you so much. I'm going to serve you. I'm not only going to endure the suffering on your behalf. I'm going to come back, and I love you, and I'm going to serve you. This was the third time, verse 14, that Jesus appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. That's the message of Easter. That a man who was dead is now alive. Who has brought a message to all of us who said, 
If anything ever felt dead in your life, if you've ever written anybody off, if you've written yourself off because you've just given up on yourself, or there were some situations that were dead in your life, you had a dream that died, I'm back. I am bringing these things to life. That is the message of Easter, that Jesus sort of rewinds the film a little bit here, and he starts having a conversation with Peter. And he says, you know, Peter, you remember that said when you said you weren't going to deny me and you, you did it once, twice, three times a lady? Look, look at this, verse 5, verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Peter says, you know I love you. Now, I've disqualified myself. I've denied you. I've ran away from you. I didn't believe in you. I've blown it. I love you, but you, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Look what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't give him a lecture when he fails. Isn't that what we do? We want to rub people's noses into it. But Jesus didn't say, well, where were you then, dude? No, look at what Jesus says. He's the Lord of resurrection. He says, then feed my lambs, Jesus told them. And what does that mean? Well, what you need to know is a few weeks prior to this, Jesus looked at Peter and he says, Peter, upon you and the statement that you utter, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to do something with you, Peter. I'm going to build something with you. I'm going to do something that's bigger than you. And Jesus is like, hey, remember when I told you that? You need to go back to that. Because this fishing stuff ain't going to work out well for you. Go ahead. Build my church. Then Jesus, he said it again. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Take care of my sheep, Jesus said. This is so important because it's going to change the world, Jesus is saying. And I'm counting on you, Pete. But he didn't leave it there. The third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt when Jesus asked the question a third time. Peter was hurt. It's like Peter was like, Jesus, you know I love you, but I've messed up. I'm a failure. I can't go back. You don't know how awful I feel. You don't know how terrible I feel. I've got, I'm, I'm done. I'm giving up. But Jesus didn't give up on Peter. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. And then Jesus replied, then feed my sheep. You know what's going on here? Three times, Peter says, I don't know you. I don't know the guy. And I blankety blank 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 don't know the guy. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? You know I do, God. You see, Jesus is saying, I believe in you. And I'm going to bring you to the point where before, like, this has never, ever happened. Before your biggest failure has never, ever happened. And even though you've given up on yourself, I'm not giving up on you. Here's our big idea today. Heroes refuse to give up on people who have given up on themselves. Jesus refuses to give up on people who've given up on themselves. And let me hear, hear this, church. Jesus refuses to give up on you. He just refuses. Maybe you came in and you're giving up on yourself. Maybe you came in and you're like, I'm done. 
there's no way this can ever be fixed. It's just like I'm done. Let me tell you, Jesus refuses to give up on you. Back to the story when we moved here and we're like, I don't know if this is going to work. The church was kind of being fickle and are we ever going to really get this church off the ground? November 15th of 2006, the church finally said, okay, we're going to do this. They hired me on staff and still at that point we had nobody. It was Kim and I, our two kids, and one uh, we call Bing, who was in the, in the cook, in the cooker. And uh, we hang out with some folks, and we're casting vision. We want to create a church where unchurched people love to attend. And we had a family say, yeah, I'll, I'll get involved in that. We had another family say, yeah, sign me up. And we started meeting in January of 2007 at a coffee house on a Wednesday night. And we started casting vision. We figured out a name. We figured out where we're going to meet. We met our very first services. We met here in this movie theater. And we were like, and it it finally happened. And I tell you, we didn't have any money at first. But because the church said, yeah, we're going to back you. We had another missions organization give us $75,000. It's like, oh my gosh. And then we had another uh, uh, missions organization here in Clarksville says, we're going to give you $100,000. It's like, praise God. Because we had to buy all the equipment, we had to do all the stuff, and God came through. It felt like we were dead, but we really weren't, because God came through. Let me tell you, resurrection is a power unlike any that you and I have ever known. Some of you, and you're here, and you're just like, you know what? I just don't know. I don't know if God is big enough. I don't know. I've I've tried going to church before, and I've tried all of this stuff. Let me tell you, it's not about church. It's not about a name. It's not about a label. It's about Jesus doing it, even when it's dead. You don't have the power to raise people from the dead. You don't, and I don't. But you and I, we serve a risen Savior who came alive. So I'm going to end today with a question that I asked. What's dead in your life? What's dead in your life? What would you bring to Jesus this morning? Because you're not just asking him to make it a little bit better. For some of you, you're in crisis. You look great on the outside, but in the inside, it's just death. You know what you need beyond a hero? You need a Savior. And I believe that's the reason why you're here today. For some of you, it's not like that your life is really falling apart. It's just like you've never quite found your life. You've made a life out of something, but there's something missing and you don't know how to fill it. You've, You've tried filling it with money. You've tried filling it with promotions. You've tried filling it with a better house. You've tried filling it with kids. You've tried filling it with a new car. And you've realized that it probably isn't a thing. It's probably a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. So this Easter Sunday, I'm going to invite you simply. For some of you, you just need to give your heart to Jesus. You just need to come to Jesus and watch what he does with the dead things in your life. So this morning, I'm going to invite you. If you don't have a relationship with God, that happens through Jesus Christ. All of us, many of us, you grew up with this verse, for God so loved the, for God so loved you, 
In fact, I'm going to say this, for God so loved, and I want you to shout out your name. Ready? For God so loved, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you would believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. It's that simple. It is that simple. You see, God loves you and God gave his son, but you have a response. You have to believe in Jesus Christ so that you can receive eternal life. Are you willing to do that this morning? If you are, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and we're just going to talk to God. We're going to pray to him this morning. And if you want to begin a relationship with God that happens through Jesus Christ, just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we just admit, Lord, that we have areas in our life that's dead. We have things in our life that's just, it feels like a rotting corpse. For so many of us, we've tried filling it with so much stuff. But Lord, I realize today that it's you, Jesus Christ. It's you. It's you that come to resurrect my marriage. It's you who've come to resurrect relationships. It's you who have come to resurrect my life. So God, I give my heart to you. I believe in you, Jesus. I have questions. I still struggle with doubt. But Lord, I'm saying on faith, I believe in you. Come into my heart. Thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I'm not going to ask you to do something weird or funky. I'm not. We're going to sing a song, and then you're going to be dismissed. I'm going to ask you to do two things. When you stand up, I want you to sing this song with all of your might, with all of your gusto. And then I'm going to be outside the theater, and I would love for you to join us at the Next Steps table. Because we want to rejoice with you. There are some of you who are here that you have made that decision to follow Christ and you need to take a next step. You need to get baptized. We would love to be able to help you do that. For some of you, you're like, "Ah, okay, I don't believe yet. You know what? That's okay. Jesus' disciples didn't believe for a long time. You know what your job is? Just show up next Sunday. Just show up. You just keep on trying and asking questions and following Jesus. And here's what you will realize that after a while, you will change. Because you can't show up around Jesus and not be changed. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? I'm going to invite everybody. Stand up. Stand up right now. And let's sing.